This is Mystic Takeaway, dishing up extraordinary real-life stories to inspire wonder and nourish the soul. I'm Elisa Graff. My guest today is Yvonne Lewis of Chicago, who shares encounters that have encouraged her to show up and to speak out. And the man behind me said, well, what do you think about that? And I said, I know it's true. Good to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Yvonne. Well, I live in Chicago, where my oldest daughter and her family live. And I am a grandmother in my family with the American dream in mind. Education was foremost And, you know, you get up, you suit up and you show up, you know, for whatever you've chosen as your way of expressing yourself in the world. My spiritual journey became something I was aware of in church. Although my parents operated their business establishment 24-7, they sent us to church every Sunday with friends. And it was the Episcopal Church. And there I grew up from maybe age six. I was influenced to a large degree uh, by the church. And may I say that because of our high aspirations as a family, we were often the only person of our type at the, the place, either the church or the school or the workplace. So that's also been a part of my background. And I just say that to say, I think that sort of background brings you to a level of, you can can tolerate it, you can keep trying, encourage others to try. So it's that kind of background from which I come. At age 11, I didn't realize it until later, I actually had a beautiful, mystical, spiritual experience. And later I identified it. But at the time I said, oh, I felt, you know, just pervaded by love sitting in the pew. Actually, I was kneeling in the pew with other children like myself, receiving the grace and the blessing of the church. And that huge feeling, I not only felt it, but I I looked up and I saw a beautiful presence as kind of a cloud just coming toward me and covering me. And I just felt, ah, God loves me. And I, I, I've carried that th- throughout my life. And um, so I just wanted to mention that because afterward I forgot it. You know, I had to go through the rest of school, go to college. <laughs> and finally, after college, <laughs> Someone told me about transcendental meditation, and I jumped into it. I learned to meditate. I learned to teach meditation. I spent years doing all of the advanced techniques, you know, and that was my path. And then I decided to, as I did with church and everything, things that I enjoyed, I I stepped back and I said, Ah, and I, I prayed for guidance and help to, I thought, highly evolved individuals, the teacher, Maharishi, and his friend, 
Dr. Triguna. Maharishi was on screen and Triguna was in town giving healing lessons. So I just walked in for an appointment with Dr. Triguna and asked for his blessing. I think because of training in college that you're on your own. You have to learn to think for yourself. You know, in college, we were taught the Socratic method where the teacher would ask us to defend a point of view or take a point of view and defend it, but yet be aware of all the other points of view in the classroom. I remember sitting there and being oh, awed, you know, by the what was being asked of me. And so that's something I've carried from college all through my life as well. And I, I just stepped out and took a couple of years off. It was then after working for many, many years for a, a corporate group. I was uh, in the marketing department at AT&T <laughs> for almost 20 years. I retired from that position, quotes, early retirement. And I moved away and onward, I thought, in my spiritual quest. And I, I just took the two years off because when you are not involved in corporate life continually. It, it rules your life. I've heard the term wage slavery, and that means something to me, um, that, you know, my bosses were, were making great bonuses, and I was working hard. They were watching me work and monitoring my work, and I was getting a pittance. So at, at that point, I could see that this economy was not really working and I was fortunate to be able, uh, through the savings programs at work and all that, to step back. But I chose to do it. And it may have not have been a good decision overall when you think of uh, your savings that have to accumulate till what year in life you know, you're going to last. So, uh, but I did it. I had to have that, that rest, that rejuvenation. And at, during that time, I was going to the library a lot. And I found Transmission Meditation in Share International. And I, I found it compelling. I didn't know anyone, but online, I knew some links. And I went to those links. And I found, who is Maitreya? <laughs> and then it took me to an amazing real photograph, not a, a drawing, of a man. And I, I said, what is this? So that's how I, I, you know, made sure that I found out everything. I, I subscribed to Share International Magazine, and I jumped right in. You know, I met the local group and all this. But to me, it was really important information. But that leads up to my experiences. <laughs> I wanted to talk more about the information, about the presence, the reappearance of the Christ in our world, and the presence not only of the man who's held the office of the Christ, but also people who have worked under him, who have reached his general neighborhood of achievement, that is in spiritual evolution, just gone ahead of us in evolution. And they're called the masters of the wisdom. So I wanted to tell people at the what, Earth Day Fair about Maitreya and the masters of wisdom. You just feel so excited. And 
my, the first experience that I talked about with Jesus was a prompt to do that. This ha- happened in a supermarket. You know, Jesus happened to be the person behind me in line. This was confirmed. I can only say that because Benjamin Krem's master, one of um, my Treus students, as it turns out, uh, confirmed it. it was Jesus. And I didn't know it at first, but I saw a headline. I remarked on the headline. And the person behind me spoke up and said, how do you know? What is that? What's going on? Because I, I hadn't spoken out. I was just reading it. And I put it back. And the man behind me said, well, what do you think about that? And I said, I know it's true. It, it's been a while and I don't remember the exact words, but the Christ is back in the world. It was, it was a headline a, in a newspaper? Yeah. You know, one of those uh, tabloids. Okay, you were standing in a line at a supermarket, and you were looking at a tabloid newspaper. You were reading it, and you picked it up, and you you, you said, "Well, it says the crisis in the world," and and then you put it back. And the person behind you said, "Well, what do you think about that?" He just saw you put it back, and he just wanted to know what you thought, right? Yep. Okay. Share International Magazine called. The experience, a chance to tell. So it was the first time I had spoken to anyone about my excitement about this information I come across um, and the people involved in it, and they're sharing what they felt about it. And so I, I, I said, I know it's true. I know that he's in the world uh, working with Jesus. And I think the our headline actually said. Um, Jesus is back in the world, um, or Jesus Christ is back in the world. So says, you know. What did the man look like? It's really interesting. He looked like a South Asian man. He was wearing a brown quilted coat and pants to match. He was of medium height. But when I turned to look at him and speak to him and said those things, he shrunk back into a tiny figure right before my eyes. So it was phenomenal. And he was smiling. And then he came back somehow to his, stood up again, as it were, as he moved back. And I went on through the line and he went on after me. And I looked back to see him plane in his hand with the money to pay for some little object he bought. And um, then I happened to look away and I looked back again and a different person stood and it seemed that that person was of extreme height leaning over. He was no longer South Asian. He was Middle Eastern. He had a bright white shirt on. Wow. Traditional business shirt. And he kind of leaned over and spoke to me and said, how do I find out more about this? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, had to, to really, I knew there was only one person behind me. So I accepted the fact in my mind, I suppose, that he is the same person that spoke to me earlier and to whom I said, Jesus is back. And I know he's working. I said that the Christ is back and He's working in the world with Jesus. They're here physically. 
And so he wanted to know how I would find more about it. And I was a newbie. I said, oh, you can look online. And that's when he did this. Oh, and then he shook his head. <laughs> shook his head. Okay. Now, if this is if he were talking to me that way in 2022, he would probably, you know, perhaps nod. But in that time, I felt that I, I needed to do more. I needed to know the story and tell him more about the story as mm. he asked me. And so I, I ended up doing that. And I needed to tell the story to people who might be interested. And I, I, I joined eventually, pushed for actually, and set up our first outreach. I mean, I could do it. So I went out and bought everything I could think of, you know, a tent. Uh, actually, I, I went to an electrical shop and bought an electrical machine that delivered a vector, it's called, delivers electricity when there's no place to plug in. And I bought a, a little TV so we could play the VHSs, which was all we had of, of Benjamin Cram. I just, uh, I bought balloons. I bought umbrella. You know, I did all this. And, um, and fortunately, my daughter was there with her truck and was able to bring it all. Wow. <laughs> to the site. And she ended up, you know, after everything was over, I was about the last to leave because we had packed up, but I, Nice. So that is, I mean, the fervor continued. I was still working, so I took only two years off and went back to work for the San Diego City School. So I, you know, worked with children um, in the special education department as a, an assistant to the teacher in the classroom. So I couldn't, didn't have time to do all the planning, but I would do the weekends would be devoted to what I could do f toward getting this information into people's hands because you expected that they would want to know too. They would yes. be as excited as you. Yes. So that was the, the experience. And finally we started, I think it was three years later, other people became more productive and fervent in our group about outreach, meaning reaching out, to other people who knew nothing about this story. And, you know, the experience with Jesus, once weeks later, London confirmed it as being the Master Jesus, I suppose was what kept me pushy. <laughs> I felt I could be pushy because like the experience of being, you know, held in the arms of love and at 11 years old in the church, I felt it was really inspiring and motivating. And then during one of those, well, this was more of a festival, multicultural festival in Linda Vista, which was uh, actually uh, at the time a home place for me because uh, that's where my parents brought me when I was first born. That's where we first lived in a tiny house in Linda Vista. At the time of uh, the festival, it was called multicultural because it was also the place that housed the Vietnam population, a large portion of it. The people came there and found housing and had a big community and businesses there. And um, so they held a festival 
it was, you know, in it was done by the Vietnamese community uh, to honor multicultural people. So they had a parade of not only their culture, but the Hispanic culture and some of the African American culture. And but they were the the organizing power of the festival, and we started doing it early. One of the people in our group just made it his mission to find all the festivals he could and to talk all of us, you know, we really coordinated all of us still working to be there, you know, to, to get the, the booth up and they, and more and more people bought the booth materials and beautiful big scroll ups of a picture of Maitreya. So everyone could see Maitreya as he was in that appearance. I saw him in, in Nairobi, Kenya. That's the photograph that you saw online. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. 22 years ago, I saw the photo, and it was a picture of a radiant man, garbed in white, standing in the midst of thousands of people who had come to a healing meeting outside of Nairobi. And the healer was a woman. Mary Akatsa. And so this was uh, June 11th, 1988. And the woman standing with him was the healer, Mary Akatsa, who had told the audience that in a few minutes, a great speaker, great teacher will be joining us. And I think very shortly, Maitreya walked in and apparently barefooted with a big, tall, white baptismal hat from the Orthodox Christian Church on his head uh, with a blue band wrapped around his head to hold it in place. Those are the details that that I remember. And he spoke to the group of 6,000 people, men on one side, women on the other, for about 20 minutes in perfect Swahili. I think that that was um, also written up by the Kenya Times, right? And that's why it was also reported on other media like CNN, because the people at this um, gathering recognized him immediately as Christ. And there were a lot of people who were healed at the same time, I think. Isn't that true? This, that's what I remember reading about that story. Yes. We walked into the women's side of the, the gathering. And the, the women, you know, gentle, pure hearts, you know, living a simple life in Kenya, fell down at his feet. Um, at least they fell to his knees somehow. Um, they, they're Christian. They didn't bow in any way, shape, or form, but they fell to their knees because of the energy that he represented. And it was the energy of love. You know, I'm, I'm sure that energy of love just made them so grateful. It's as though, you know, you needed to <laughs> kneel down in the pew at church. You're so overcome. In many cases, uh, many of my guests have spoken about meeting uh, Maitreya disguised as an African-American man 
in many parts of the world. And they're actually photographs taken by members of Share International who have had encounters at big um, marches, for example. There's one that I recall in London against uh, the Iraq War, maybe. Um, and there was a, an Afro-Caribbean man there who turned out to be also Maitreya. So there are many, many occasions where he um, appears as a, an African-American or Afro-Caribbean man. Um, so, or a black man, I suppose, you know. Um, and so I think that there's obviously some deeper purpose and meaning in that, isn't there? To me, there was. And um, uh, he said to the group, I, I think it's on the tape, that Kenya is blessed, or it's written in the Kenya Times, is something that there was a reporter from the Kenyan Times there, as you said. So this was written up and picked up, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, and apparently the taxi driver that took him away from the grip from the crowd, he was told by the man to please stop the car at some point, and the man got out of the car and then just disappeared. I was at the Multicultural Festival. I was one of the uh, I volunteers, and another volunteer, I must say, at the, on the same day, and the different guys also met with Maitreya, who walked up to the booth. And so I tell my story um, because it, it was so unusual. There were two people who walked by the booth. They were Vietnamese men. They were One was taller than the other, and they were wearing gray, formal, as if traditional... Asian um, dressy dress for men or, you know, the top level of dress showing they were leaders of their community. I saw there were other men with those gray suits in the background, but those two walked by the booth and I watched them. At that moment, not many people were stopping for some reason. And they walked down to the end of the aisle and then they walked back, looking at the booths on my side of the aisle. And uh, they stopped in front of the booth. The man, the, the uh, not-as-tall man, uh, was farther back in the middle of the aisle. But the tall man walked into the booth and said, What is this about? And looked down at the table at all our information. And uh, I told him, to the best of my ability, what yeah, about Maitreya's reappearance in the world and the group that it, that is right now here physically with him, and that they're back in the world to help us change, transform our society so that it meets adequately with the new incoming energies of Aquarius because we're in a new age. And at every new age, a new teacher comes. And he said, mm, you know, and then he turned to face me. It seemed that he, I don't remember him moving closer, but he began talking to me about the information. And he said many things. And 
what uh, what I saw was a man who was had a Vietnamese face, um, but he had round, dark glasses on, and he was a middle-aged man. But as he spoke, I could tell that he he spoke. His mouth became round, and inside it was black, just same black as the glasses. So he was without teeth. But so there was no personality there for me to look at while he spoke. And I was deeply engrossed in what he was saying. And I ended up looking up. The, the, the sky was blue and there were flags waving high in the sky. And I just found myself experiencing that serenity and pristineness of, of, you know, the atmosphere of the outer space. And it seemed that we were together talking in that outer space. The, you know, the surrounding just disappeared in my view. I wasn't looking at it. I was gazing into the sky. But it didn't seem to bother him at all. He just kept talking. And then he stopped. As he walked away toward his friend and they moved on back, he said, keep doing this work. He said, what you're doing is for service. And that was the, the personal thing I remember his saying to me. And later recalling that, actually, he knew what the the future held, and I needed to hear that. <laughs> you know, it was important for me to be encouraged, you know, that this was something. Because uh, later on, not long after, in fact, you know, how we all have our challenges in life. So I went through a challenging period, and, you know, and then when it was all over, I was... Um, <laughs> able to think again, uh, I just, you know, I, I sort of walked back into what I was doing before. And I walked in back into transmission meditation, which I'd been doing regularly. And I walked back in on Earth Day to our booth at Earth Day. I was wondering if you wanted to maybe talk a little bit more about this experience when you were a child and how you experienced that, I mean, what it did for you in terms of helping you to see the importance later of coming to know that the Christ was in the world. For me, it meant so much because I was brought up in a strict household, and I know my parents loved me, and they were, you know, what do you call it, upwardly mobile people. They did everything they could Um they were together for 26 years wow um, and uh, and did were high you know high level in in our community high level participants and honored participants in our community heads of organizations you know um and then in and for me though as their oldest child i was uh, kind of a uh, sort of I knew that that I would that their love would be more freely given 
if I achieved in the way they expected me to. So I did it. You know, it's hard, but I pushed myself to, you know, to be, I was a valedictorian of the high school graduation, that sort of thing, you know, to just go as far as you could. And I'm afraid that's also, you know, the way the younger members of our family feel that we all have been, had that same attitude that my parents had. We transferred it on to them. So they, <laughs> they have felt compelled, you know, and pushed to do things they might not have done, but they have both my uh, two children have been high achievers and they have <laughs> pushed their children <laughs> in the same way. So even though we don't like it, so it's something that comes with um, the, the, the experience of overcoming the, um, the hindrances, you know, of uh, our upbringing and that our whole group ha has, has and still continue to experience. So, um, but when I was kneeling in that church that at 11, I mean, I can see it to this day. I feel myself kneeling there. I, ex I feel the, this huge enveloped by divine love and held, embraced, you know. So to me, in a sense, that was really knowing true love, knowing that I was being, you know, it deeply, no matter what, cared for and loved was from that experience. I mean, uh, uh, that's how I interpreted it. But when I was 11, I, I just thought, oh, this is beautiful. The church is accepting me. That's how I took it as an 11-year-old. Here, we're in church. We have a confirmation group and all of us. But me, I, you know, the only... Um, different person of a different group here is also being accepted. And so that love was a never forgotten, never forgotten in a deep level. But I didn't think about it that way, that experience that way until, uh, you know, we all started talking about experiences. And I had these other experiences. I said, but when I was 11, remember the the cloud that moved <laughs> was there, you know, while we were being confirmed into the church as, as if, you know, brought into the spiritual, old enough and wise enough to be brought into the spiritual embrace of the church. That's how I felt. I was so grateful and happy, you know, it was belonging, you know, yeah. truly belonging yeah. you know, to the spiritual life. And all of us, you know, were, as a group, uh, we're entering that level of maturity. And so <laughs> it was one of those um, stepping stones of life that everyone must experience. But um, I, I remembered it later. I said, oh, that was such an important experience in my life, I suppose. Thank you so much, Yvonne. It was really lovely talking with you. Wonderful talking with you, Elisa. You're doing a wonderful work here with the podcast. You've been listening to Mystic Takeaway. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with others. Thanks for listening. Thank you.